It is six pack lap at that, sitting in today. Uh, just gonna be me today flying solo. And I wanna kick off today's show. I got a story I wanna tell you. And um, fucks with me for a minute because I'm gonna relate it back to powerlifting. Okay? But uh, so when I was a kid, and it's all gonna come back, so <laughs> give me a minute. When I was a kid, I was a huge Evander Holyfield fan. Um, for those who don't know who Evander Holyfield is, and that'd be shocking, but he was the heavyweight champion of the world in boxing during the 90s. Um, I mean, he was, this is when Sega Genesis was around, and uh, I had his video game, and it was real deal, Holyfield boxing. You know, I had his posters, and um, if his fights were on TV, we'd watch his fights, me and my friends. The dude looked like you straddle a comic book. You know, he, he is chiseled, jacked. He's everything a kid wanted to be when he was bigger. Could walk into a room, be the baddest man in the room type deal. And then Evander Holyfield defended his world championship. He was undefeated. He had never lost. You know, so he was your hero. He was that guy who always went into battle and always won. And he fought a guy, Riddick Bowe, who was younger, bigger, stronger, faster. And uh, for the first time ever, we saw Evander Holyfield just take a vicious beating. And I mean a beating to the point where getting towards the, like round after round after round, his eyes swollen shut, you know, his lips mangled so he couldn't smile the same, his nose crooked, got off his stool round after round and kept fighting. This guy, bigger, stronger, faster, just refused you know, and he would, he didn't just go in there to survive. You know, I'm just going to try to hang to the end. He went out there to win. You know, it was awe-inspiring. It's like what they say, your darkest hour can be your finest hour. I was a Holyfield fan before that fight. After that fight, it was like, took him to another level. Like, it was hard to watch, but it was inspiring to watch at the same time. You know, to see your hero... Take, take something, face what he was facing, knowing the fight was done. He was licked. But every round, he got off his stool and he went ahead and he kept fighting anyways. You know, it was the, the, the 10th round, he had Bo, he took a beating and then he rallied back and started laying it on Bo with everything he had. And just left, right, giving it to Bo. And he was just too small to make, make Bo back up. And then Bo came back 11th round, 12th round and won and you know, just Holyfield, he ended up losing the decision, but it was it was awe-inspiring. You know, it's the type of deal they say fatigue makes cowards of us all in sports or anything, and it's true. You know, we're not, we're not really in a fatigue sport, but um, if, if any of you have been in that situation when, when you get tired, that's when you quit. Now, get tired and have somebody just physically, you can't match them, and they're putting a beating on you. It's just terrible. You know, so anyways, as a kid, I remember seeing this. Okay, and I'm coming around with this while I'm telling this story. But uh, as a kid, it was very impactful for me. to see. It was the first time when you're older, you see this kind of thing happen. But when, when you're a kid, you haven't yet seen your idols and your heroes lose. You, you don't even know it's like, you, you honestly, it's, it's, I know this is childish, but you think they can't lose. You, know, you start putting them on a pedestal and these guys really are like heroes. You know, I mean, I, I'm sure the generations before me, hey, look, kid, I saw Muhammad Ali lose. You're in for a shock if you don't think Evander can lose. You know, it's 
it's just different when you see it and it was like that. You know, and, and it was, he still showed all of the qualities. Even though he lost, he had that heart of a champion. You know, that was a champ right there. You know, that's how a champion, that's how your hero, you want him to go out if he's going to lose. So they sign, a few months later, it's announced he signs for a rematch. A rematch. And I felt like, you know, I, I honestly was too afraid to watch it. It's just, how do you win this? How, the guy thoroughly beat you. Thoroughly beat you. He's not getting smaller. He's not getting slower. He's, a, he's just on another level than you. You know, and physically and just, uh, how, do you, how do you mitigate that? How do you cross that bridge? I was so rattled when I heard they were going to rematch. I didn't even want to watch this. The rematch was entitled Repeat or Revenge. Repeat or Revenge. And I mean, in my mind's eye, I was like, oh my God, this is obviously a repeat. Are you guys just cashing in on Holyfield's name? He can't beat this guy. This is a repeat. I didn't want to watch it. Yeah, I'm a kid. I saw my idol get beat up once. I didn't want to see it again. Okay, so I didn't even watch the fight. I didn't watch the fight. The next day, I, I went down to the corner store. And um, I wanted to see, like, who won the fight. And, uh, I mean, everyone knew it's, it's repeat or revenge. That's what the fight was tabbed. Walk into the corner store, and I was freaking like, you know, I'm a kid. My heart was pumping. I was like, holy shit, well, I'm about to find out. This is before the internet. Yes, I'm old as motherfucker. So, walked into the corner store, walked over to the newspapers, and there it was on the cover. Revenge. In capital letters, exclamation mark. And there was Holyfield with a huge right hand on Riddick Bow. And my God, Evander Holyfield turned back the clock and did the unthinkable. And and if he was already a hero, he got elevated to legend status in my mind. He obviously, he went on to beat Mike Tyson. He went on to do tons of things. No victory was as big as this one for me. Because he had beaten the man that he lost to previously and made the proper adjustments to make it happen. You have to have internal belief unshakable to be able to pull something like that off if you had seen the first fight to go back in there it's it's just it's all again and the reason why i say this because earlier this week we, we, we i posted russell or and he did a big 720 deadlift and he's smashing big big his bench is going deep into the 400s now and, that, and his squat been hitting in the late 600s with speed and authority. And, um, and every, now, now the chatters come back. And people are doing the math. If he could put all these together, what's his total going to be? His total is already 801. He looks like he's going he's gonna to be far better than that. And Brett Gibbs comes in the comments and says, Silly, capitals, all caps. Now I'm awoke. He's woke. You woke the giant. And we got ourselves a rematch coming. Is this going to be repeat or revenge? And these guys, I mean, they need each other. This is great for the sport, by the way. But the adjustments can be made. Will they? 
I mean, they are so, this is such a tight race. Uh, their squad, uh, you, Brett needs the best day of his life to beat Russell. And obviously vice versa from Russell. The distance between them is a lot closer than you might think. It's a lot closer than you might think. We've seen them both have good days and bad days. And that's why sports have to be played out on the field. Not by nominations. I don't care what your nominated total is. I don't care what your best total is. Let's see it on the day of. You want more proof of that? Our guest today, David Wolm. Wilson, sorry. I'm mixing up Kayla and Nib. Won the U.S. Nationals. Beating the reigning IPF world champion. And Ashton, who not long after hit the unofficial world record total. These are the best of the best. Faced them both head-to-head competition. And David doesn't have the resume either one of these gentlemen have had. David has never lifted as much as Ashton has. Still beat him head-to-head. That's sports. Day of is all that matters. That's sports. And day of, Brett and Russell have been up and down over the last few years. If you look at them over the last few years, it's been up and down. It hasn't just been a linear progression up. Okay, you take a track their totals. Who's going to hit and who's going to miss? It is too flipping close to call. They go in there, Russell misses a squat, he's cooked. Brett misses a squat, he's cooked. Too damn close. You understand me? Well, Brett's got a bigger bench. Have Brett miss his last bench. Russell's bench is going up too much. It's too close. You might have a bigger bench, but are you going to beat him with only two attempts? It's getting too close. This is what we got now, and this is what we needed. We needed Russell to improve in the interim between the world championships. He's done that. All eyes are going to be on this Arnold Classic. As long as Russell stays healthy, his back is good. I mean, 720 moved. 720 moved. If he takes that dead deeper into the 700s, this is on a deadlift day when he hasn't had to squat and he hasn't had to bench. I get it. I get it. But if you can hit 720 now, by the time the world rolls around, maybe it won't matter if he squatted and bench first because he's that much stronger. Going to be interesting, my friends. Now, we have USAPL 93 kilo champion. The, sl- the giant slayer, if you will, is going to be our guest today. Um, uh, David came out of, I mean, I would say came out of nowhere. He didn't really come out of nowhere. He just wasn't as celebrated as some of the other gentlemen. And that's nothing uh, that he hasn't done. It's more the fact that he's in a weight class at these nationals where he has a two-time world champion coming. He's got a guy like Ashton who's unofficially breaking world records. I mean, this is a shark's tank that he competed in. But some people were pegging him as a dark horse you got to watch out for. And then he showed why. We're going to have him on. I want to ask him some questions. A, who does he think is a 93-kilo goat? Because that's very debatable. Okay? Very debatable topic. B, who is the 2018 93-kilo lifter of the year? Not who's the strongest. 
Because that doesn't always matter when you go head to head. Ask David about that. David went against his two Goliaths. Didn't matter who was stronger on different meets. When they met in competition, David won. It's about accomplishment. You win 2018, 93 kilo lifter a year by what you accomplished in that year. Not your potential to accomplish more, but what you accomplished while in that year. We have individuals who broke world records. We have individuals who broke unofficial world records. And we have individuals who won the world championships and then a different individual who beat all the above. <laughs> and they're all the same. They're all different dudes. That's what makes it so hard to predict. They're all different dudes. Not the same dude. A lot of times you got a weight class, you got like Taylor Atwood just running it. Running it. Wins the US Nationals, wins the World Championships, breaks the world records, breaks anything unofficially as well on top of that. That's it. It's Taylor. He, he would definitely be lifter of the year for 74 kilo class. It's easy. The heavyweights, Ray Williams, of course. Well, you know, it's a lot of these are easy. This isn't. 93 kilo isn't. It's a debate. You know, so I want to, uh, even with the GOAT, who's GOAT? It's the same thing. You know, who is the GOAT? Who has won the world titles and world records? Who's done it unofficially? And it's all debatable. So I want to get his opinion. Uh, and then we'll talk about his training, what's next as usual. So with no further ado, let's get him on the phone. And we have David Wilson, 93 kilo, U.S. national champion. David, how you feeling? I'm good, thanks. Good, good. Coming thanks off, for having me. No problem, no problem. Coming off a huge win. Um, wanted to talk a little bit about that U.S. Raw Nationals. Um, it was a massive win for a few reasons. So the 93 kilo class in the U.S. is absolutely stacked. And then um, in the world, is absolutely stacked. It's one of the best divisions to be in, in terms of competitiveness. Yeah, it's, it's really a lot of fun for me to actually have that as a, as a challenge every day. I don't think that that's something that really, in powerlifting at all, that that's something that you can look, and look, look out there and see that there's 10 other guys that could beat you any day. Yeah, and how much better is it walking into a competition or any of these competitions knowing how stacked it is? Because people actually care about your weight class. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that was uh, something really cool. I think people were feeling that way about the 83s this year, and it was just from the. I guess with my reaction, I know how I felt. I was really excited to watch those guys. So me knowing how I felt personally invested in those 83s, it was just imagining that other people were feeling the same way. It's it's actually cool to have in powerlifting. It's not that common that you know you go to local meets and nobody. You know, there's so many other people, and the fans don't really get that kind of experience. So it's. It's a whole lot of fun to be involved in one of the weight classes that people really care about. Yeah, like I equate it often when we talk about powerlifting. If you're having a powerlifting competition and in, for viewer friendliness, and right. U.S. Raw Nationals, huge viewerships. IPF Worlds, big viewerships. I mean, they the, the quality too. There's commentating and the camera angles, slow-mo replays, etc. You need to have competitiveness. You can't have a, bas- right. can't have a basketball game and... One team's winning by 50 points and no. ex- expect people to give a shit. You right. know what okay. I mean? No. Yeah. You need um, toe-to-toe. If somebody misses, the other person's going to hit and, and the battle breaks out. One of the crazy things, so walking into this U.S. Raw Nationals, there's a couple moving pieces here that made this kind of uh, intriguing showdown. Yeah. You had the reigning IPF world champion, two-time world champion, 
back-to-back wins, L.S. McLean. And that's that's a big one when you have a world champion walking in. Uh, like, sure. all targets on him. You had Ashton Ruska, who not only was defending U.S. Raw National World Champion, he would go on, not too long afterwards, unofficially break the world record. And right. then um, and then you had yourself walking in there, almost like, no pun intended, David versus Goliath, right? Where, where you had to take on these huge names. And um, I've said it before, it doesn't matter the nominations. This is sports. You know, throw it out the window. Whatever you did in the regular season, this is the playoffs. You could have the best record in the regular season. Here comes the playoffs, head-to-head, who's going to win. And we all know how that turned out. How was it like for you walking into these nationals knowing what you're facing? Yeah, so I was I was in a similar situation the the nationals before actually, and and so I think I probably got too caught up in the in kind of the hype. Like I, I basically knew it was going to be the same two guys. I knew it was going to be Ashton LS and then myself. But I don't think that I was on a whole lot of people's radars at that point. But but then going in, a lot of people started picking me and kind of and I started feeling pressure and I started feeling like man, I need to do this. People are really looking for me to do something big, and I think I. It was probably something I was unprepared for. Kind of looking looking back on it, um, I had done big meets before. I had done the Arnold um, twice actually. The, that year, I had broke the American deadlift record, so I felt like I was prepared. But like you said, it's just a different thing. At the at the Arnold, it's not really about placing. You know, it's not all the big guys there. You know, trying to it's more of an exhibition kind of thing. So this was something that people were legitimately caring about where people were placing, and there were a lot of eyes on me. And hindsight, I just wasn't really ready for it. And so it's kind of some some shaky training led to the result where I you know, bombed out and I missed all of that. And so this year going in, it was, it was a similar situation, but I just focused a lot more on what I needed to do personally and put myself in a good position at the end. But it was it was, it was was good to have the experience go so badly the year before to kind of make this one actually go well. Yeah, I mean, experience, you can't buy experience. You could read whatever articles you want. You watch whatever YouTube videos you want. Listen to whatever podcasts. That shit, you can't buy experience. You no. got to go through it. You know? Yes. Especially, that's the game time stuff when it becomes the week before and it becomes the night before and then it becomes the day of. And there are like these intangibles that people don't take into account. If you're stressed, cortisol levels, if you have to cut, now do you cut weight? Uh, yeah, so I, I've, I've made a lot of different, my last few meets I've, I've changed I've, I've cut a lot, I've cut a little bit. Um, so I'd say now, I, I walk around about 211, that's pretty comfortable for me. So, you know, me me cutting two-ish kilos is is really, two to three kilos, that's, I don't really even really consider that a cut, that's an easy thing to do. Um, so I, I did a meet right before nationals to, I, I was I, I was kind of in my own head and I wanted, to, I wanted to try a couple things. I wanted to try a bigger cut and I wanted to try basically being heavier in training. So I got up to about 218-ish, so. Uh, I, was, I had to cut about five or six kilos into that one, and that one did not feel good as far as the cut goes. So, uh, so <laughs> then like, I, I dieted back down. Yeah, that that was. I had to cut I think two kilos morning of, and and it was. I thought it was gonna be less than that, so I had to spend like an hour and a half in a bathtub and still made weight late, and it was that was not a good experience for me. So uh, yes, I cut, but probably not that much anymore. See, I you know it's funny you did that, and it's good. Because I remember the same thing when I moved down from 93 to 83. Um, before, there was like a national level competition. And then like two weeks before, I wanted to test out the cut. So I, I went to a, a meet. I was going to do openers. Don't give a shit. But you know you can practice a cut at your house. It's it's not the same. 
Like, you, it's not the same. Oh. Do practice a cut, travel, actually travel to the U.S. for the mock meet to Michigan. Uh, I'm in Toronto. And um, travel, go into a hotel room, have to work with a fucking, whatever the shit they got at the hotel. Do it like that. And right. my cut was so bad. Um, Paul, who usually does the hosting with me, he's not here today, but he saw me when I came out of the bath, looked like I had two fucking black eyes. He's like, dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I had my girlfriend sit in the, in the restroom with me to make sure I wasn't going to pass out. And I was, I was like, so after I weighed in, like I missed weight the first time. I weighed in at like 93.2. So I went and started spitting. I was trying to sweat. And I was trying to throw up. And finally I went, I just like gave up. And I weighed at 93.0. I got it done. But that was like 45 minutes after weighing started. Oh. I was in the first flight. And I, I basically, I was shaking so bad. I, I couldn't really even stand up. So I, I was just laying on my back until like 30 minutes before the, the, the flight started. So then I, I basically only had a bottle of water and went out there and squatted, but I still squatted 290. So I, you know, there's, I actually was talking about it with somebody recently that I, that was actually at the time it matched my best squat, even though I had no food, no, no pre-workout, no nothing. And I was basically sitting there shaking, trying not to throw up and walked out. I mean, essentially like just cold, I would turn on for 30 seconds and I matched my best squat. So I, you know, it's like from a, from a physical, emotional side of things, I, I don't, it's like, I didn't feel good. I don't want to do that again. But I also had, until nationals, I put up my best total. So it's, yeah. you know, I don't know. <laughs> so it might be somewhere in between, you know, it's maybe a, a smaller cut than that, but a bigger than what I've done before. If nothing else as well, it'll like mentally, you, you got tested and now you know, and no matter how bad the cut is, no matter how bad you right. feel, it's not going to be as bad as that, and you'll rebound. Right. When you're yeah, and it was it was a big thing just knowing. I, I mean, I was I felt I absolutely could not have felt worse, and so then I was still able to squat a PR and, and so or match my PR, and so that was that was I think that went into you know kind of my mindset going to this year's nationals that it's it's still it's still something I do every single day. So regardless of how I feel, I just need to go out there and do my thing, and it shouldn't it can it's going to turn out okay. Yeah, it's when when you're cutting. So I've I've had a couple people they don't cut much and then they've tinkered with the idea of like dropping a weight class and cutting a whole lot more, right? And right. I tell them when you're in the in the midst of that bad cut and it's going to be you're going to have doubts in your head like holy shit, I feel terrible. And when you're at the lowest before you rehydrate it at all, you're thinking if you put that weight on my back, it's going to cut through me yeah. like butter. Like yeah, you, yeah you, you don't even feel like you can stand up. And then yeah. you think, I'm supposed to squat something that feels heavy every day. And I, yeah. I can't even I put 135 on my back and it feels super heavy. So, yeah, I think I have a little bit of PTSD from uh, <laughs> I never want to do it again. Even if, even if I did have my best meet, even feeling really bad, it's, I don't want to do it. But on the flip side, um, now you know for sure you felt as worse as you ever felt in a rebound. And it doesn't get worse. It doesn't like you can get back. And that's a huge positive that I try to tell people is have the, uh, the practice meet where you do the cut, feel how shitty it is, and then feel that you can actually rally back. I think the, the biggest thing for me, you know, and I'm so looking forward to, to Worlds here, depending on when my session is, like if it's a morning session, I'm going to be a little bit more conservative. But if it's, if it's an afternoon session like Nationals, you know, Nationals being the evenings, because that one, that one I had to weigh in at 7 a.m. And so, you know, wake up at 5 after sleeping somewhere else so you know not a good night of sleep and then waking up early and all those things kind of compound but if i'm weighing at noon i feel like you know i could have had the exact same scenario having to cut two kilos but felt you know infinitely better so depending on when i weigh in i think that'll affect how heavy i let myself get when after that test cut and it was hell 
Um, how far out was it from Nationals? Uh, that was in that was in June ish. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it time. was like three or four months somewhere around there. So I, I had time to kind of diet slowly. Yeah, so I gave myself like two weeks. I was like, "Fuck, man! I got like, <laughs> I gotta lose as much weight as possible. I can't do that again." It was hell. No. I I actually got my body weight down, but it wasn't a whole lot of fun. Um, so leading into the to this nationals that just passed, when you had Ashton, you had LS. Did you kind of know? Because we had the preview show, and there were people picking you again, and right. um, talking about like in terms of being the underdog, and a lot of people have talked about this in sports. Period. Pressure's probably the hardest. That's what's going to rob you of your sleep. That's what's going to rob you of your food and the anxiety. And the day of, you're a little too anxious, like nervous and energy. You expel energy quicker, even when you're not lifting and you're pacing around. It's it's a long day. That's what people don't realize. You you learn this from experience. You got to chill out. You got to relax. Um, did it help knowing these other guys probably got more pressure on them? Did you enjoy your spot? Uh, I did, yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess on on two sides of it, I I felt like there was yeah, there was expectations that people wanted me to do really well, but then I also heard all the I heard all the talk saying like, yeah, you know, I think David could do it, but he's done really badly before. I bombed out two meets in a row on my deadlift and all those kind of things. So, I think there was uh, there was a little bit of like David could do it, but nobody's really expecting. You know, if he does poorly, then we're not going to be super surprised by it. So. Um, yeah, I like I said, I, I really did my best in in I since the last meets that went poorly, I, I put a lot of effort into just training consistently and only doing good reps and not and just always having quality of the, the standard held really high. So when I actually got in that situation, I didn't feel like it's like I, I haven't done a bad rep in months. There's no reason that I'm gonna do a bad rep here. So yeah. I, I kinda I just I've been practicing that mentality where I didn't feel like I had a whole lot of issues. And so I'm pretty calm in general. I like especially day of, I don't feel a lot of nerves or those kind of things. I mean it, it definitely I feel some, but it's not like I'm sitting in a hotel room, you know, is super antsy. I'm, I'm, i do a pretty good job of being able to relax, but I think all of those things are you can practice those things. Yeah. How did you how do you practice just from actually doing it and doing it often? Or do you like do anything mentally to keep yourself busy or keep yourself in that positive mind frame or? No, you know, I, I don't know. I think I've always been a little bit of a, of a long-term goal setter kind of guy. So even, even when I'm in the moment, I, I definitely, I do get nervous and I've, I've learned to, to not try to try to hide those emotions or not try to like pretend that I'm not nervous, but, yeah. but no, I, I think I, I do a good job of kind of, Placing myself away from the situation where I can remind myself I've always done this in training. I, and I think that's a big thing that I do is I practice, I, I practice replicating that stuff in training. So going through the exact same setup it, and mm-hmm. actually imagining that I'm out there looking at people and just doing that whole thing to where when I'm actually on the platform, I, it doesn't really feel unfamiliar for me. So um, and and I I practice not getting too hyped in training, kind of being able to replicate something where I mm-hmm. elevate myself. A good amount to where I can still perform well, but I'm not trying to like only rely on you know mental energy for that one big rep. And so that that's been something that it, it meets. I I just replicate a lot of things that I've been in training. But but again, I learned to do those things because I did it poorly a lot. Yeah, I mean that's the best way to learn. Sometimes, right? You learn more from an L than you will from a win. You're gonna right. analyze the shit out of a loss. What the hell happened? You will yeah. go through everything. What the hell happened? Um, I, I like how you said about the. The hyping yourself for for an attempt or rep in the gym because there is definitely an adrenaline dump. You can get if you're especially if you're like first time on a big show like nationals, 
You're you can get way too wound up. You smash squats, but the day is long. Like they can have a twenty minutes before you even bench, and that's bench. And then you go right. through all the bench, twenty more minutes break, and then you got deads. Like it's it's a long day. By the time you get to deads, you see some guys they just run out of gas. Right. Yeah. So I, a lot of my lifters, I have them. You know, I, I I want them to do a meet really early in their career so that they can. Everybody tends to they're gassed by deadlifts. By you know, if they're if it's their they're a young lifter, they they take all their pre workout and they get really elevated, and then they just can't they can't turn it off. And, and so, you know, that's, that's been something through, through the years of doing it that I, that's been, I think everybody needs to practice that is how to be able to ride those waves a little bit. So when you come to Dallas, you're still able to turn on and, and not get to the end, pull your opener and say, I'm pretty ready to go home now. <laughs> yeah. How much you want to go up? Uh, two and a half kilo? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do anything. It's real. I see them. So Randy Cook, who also does co-hosting sometimes. He he one time was like he's a big he's like five six two hundred twenty pound like he's a, he's a fucking bowling ball of a man he's like a Ram man from back in the He Man old school cartoon era and he um I remember one time he popped so much caffeine pills man warming up for squats looking at him this is warming up for squats dude was sweating like he, he so much on him he looked like he just got out of the shower I'm like Randy go fucking sit down <laughs> bro what are you doing I was like relax my friend this is a long day he was like uh, he was, couldn't stop moving he's fidgeting like he's about to take the stand in a fucking court case like it's like my friend relax man you're not gonna maintain this oh yeah I, I'm not I'm not saying I don't I don't take a whole lot of caffeine and that I that I'm really calm I mean I definitely get over a gram throughout the day but yeah uh, you know it's it's practice when you actually let it affect you yeah but, yeah, yeah. yeah I get I get pretty turned up by the time deadlifts come around there's been plenty of times I have so much caffeine in me that I'm listening on music wherever I feel like I'm about to like weep or something I, it's like <laughs> that's like just just from being like so turned on yeah I, I've seen it's almost like um, so you put the foot on gas for squats and you're ready right. but it's not floored on right. your last and you keep the gas going throughout on your last deads you can floor that bad boy you're going home yeah that's right put the yeah, pedal well you know I, I pretty much just coast through bench press so it's I have a little bit more gas when it's yeah. time to time to deadlift because I, I don't I don't invest too much there yeah and you know what the difference between a good dead and a great dead could be 50 pounds the difference between a shitty dead, like a dead day, and a, and a great deadlift day can be God knows how many pounds. Difference on your bench is like fucking five, ten pounds. So right, exactly. you could gas out on bench for another ten pounds or just save a little gas and smash your deads. You know? Yeah, so I, I think I hit in my head what I thought my minimum on bench press, what I wanted it to be. What I, what I felt like my minimum bench for me to win was, I hit my minimum. Uh, which was 185 kilos, but my maximum was only 190. So like, it was it was me saying like exactly what you just said is that I hit the minimum and the maximum was only five kilos more than than that. So it was yeah. it just wasn't gonna affect me very much. You see, so I do the commentary for the World Championships, and you see often people just grind out fight for like two and a half kilo, and it's right. like that is a whole lot you just spent to buy two and a half kilo to your total. You know? Yep. Um, talking about, you just said like you had worked at what you thought you needed to to win. Um, walking into this, knowing who you're facing, and I mean, you, you were in a Sharks tank. I mean, you, were, you were fighting the big boys there. Um, like the night before, in the morning of, A, were you, were you expecting to win or were you thinking, I can win, it's going to be 50-50? Yeah, so I, I thought I needed a bigger total than what I got. 
Uh, and and I, so I guess you know, luckily Ashton was missing some of his squats, and and LS, you know, kind of had an offish day, I guess. But I, I had, I was a little surprised I didn't squat as much as I did. I in my mind, I I thought 850 was going to be the number. I thought 850 would win it. Um, I thought if I got to 850, absolutely I would win. I thought I could win with 840, uh, and I totaled 833. So um, I I didn't feel like I squatted my best. I felt like because uh, I, I squatted, I went from 290 to 292 on my third. My second attempt was really hard, uh, and my opener was super easy. So I don't I don't really know why my squat wasn't very strong at the top end because I felt really good. Uh, but then. I guess at that point, Ashton had only made his opener, and so then we were just able to kind of coast a little bit because I, I, I felt like if I was behind going into to deadlifts by 10-ish kilos, I for sure would have a, a realistic shot, and I think when, by the time we got there, it was only like seven and a half. So um, off, of, off of openers, I was tied. Yeah, my, the goal was 850 kilos to, to actually win the thing. Uh, like I, I thought if I got 850 that I would win and it wouldn't be – uh, like I wouldn't have to be pulling for the win necessarily, but 840 would be pretty close. So um, yeah, I mean we're we're pretty right on with what I thought the numbers needed to be. Um, and I, I have a little bit left on my deadlift. It, you know, maybe not. I didn't have 15 kilos, but I think I had 10 more. So yeah. you could have gotten that 840 like I needed to anyway. You had some insurance, so to speak. If you, if you yeah, yeah, that one I was because it was only a five kilo jump from my second to my third. Uh, so so that one felt about the same as my second did, but obviously the added pressure of you know, if you make it, you win. And let's talk about that because there's nothing like walking out there knowing this is going to be it. You look to your right and there's two-time world champion LS. There's defending national champion Ashton on the sidelines. And they're not watching like um, hoping you missed. They're actually cheering you on, which is weird. But this is what these guys do. And you, you have everybody in front of you. You have the whole live stream and you know, I pull this. Not only do I win, but I won against like some of these, some guys were like the best in the world. You know, this is a stack class, not a small class, stack class. I won my shot at the world championships in Sweden. You all of a sudden become the guy. Yeah. What so was I, that like? Just like you said, you were asking earlier about whether I really thought that I was going to win. Um, there, there were moments, you know, and I, I, I was trying not to put that in my head as the expectation. So. Um, I was just saying, you know, I, like I, I had numbers that I thought I needed to get to to win. I knew they were challenging numbers for me that it wouldn't get easy for me to get there. And I said, hey, look, I'm only as strong as what I am. I just need to, I need to execute and then uh, try not to, because the year before I got really excited when I realized I was, I'd get in the same spot. If I would pull my opener, I would have been tied for first. So it was, I was trying not to scoreboard watch. And so then finally when it came, even after my second deadlift, it was like, you still got to make one more. You still got to make one more. And then Ashton missed his. And so then it just came down to like, okay, now you can get into the moment and you can really go for it. So yeah, uh, yeah it was, it was a really cool thing. Um, essentially the same situation last year, I was going out for my third deadlift and I think it would have been an American record. And I think I would have, I think it would have gotten me third if I would have made it because I already missed two, but it's an incredible experience. It's indescribable to go out there and have the last deadlift of the meet. Obviously, like you said, to win the thing, American record, going to worlds to beat some guys that are, you know, legends. And, and so, yeah, it's, it, that, that feeling is hopefully I hit it again. Hope, you know, it's, yeah. it's looking like even the thing I've been known for with my deadlift, it started, I mean, Ashton just pulled 355 chances getting up there. There was Daniel Libre who pulled 750 or something. Kyle, I mean, there's, there's like five other guys who can pull close to what I can pull now. So it's, it's no guarantee that I'm going to have that moment every time now. So 
I got I to gotta keep pushing even at that one. Yeah, it's almost like if there was a movie, man, that was a hell of an ending. You know, if there was a movie where, like, you show up last year, you bombed, had to do a bunch of things, recalibrate, come back, right down to the last pull, there's Legends, everybody's on their feet, can you do it, and you smash it. Like, that was a hell of a storybook ending. Yeah, no, it's a, it's incredible, but you know, like I said, the the total wasn't what I really thought the biggest total should have been was. Um, so I mean, I, I maybe could have gotten there if it was pulling higher, but I, I think the the legacies are built on title defenses. So, so you know, at, at this point, it's 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 exciting. It's I feel really good about the win, but I'll feel if if this is the only one I ever get, I don't think that'll be. I don't, I won't feel good about that. Uh, yeah, true enough, but. This is a hell of a win, it, if sure. nothing else, because who showed up, you know? Yeah. So, so let's talk about, because it's an interesting thing going in 93s. We kind of debated it um, on, on a previous podcast in terms of the year of 2018. Very interesting for the 93 kilos. Let's talk about not who's the strongest in 93 kilo, but accomplishments, okay? So I'll run through the guys and I'll get your opinion. It's going to be kind of biased because I know you're one of those guys. But, so you have... Ellis McLean, who won the world championships. Obviously the biggest title, okay? But he won the world championships. However, the performance itself wasn't, wasn't going to set the world on fire, okay? And um, then you have uh, uh, Ashton, who unofficially broke the world record not too long ago. Um, but again, it was unofficial. There's not a lot of guys there. It wasn't against the stiffest competition, and that makes a difference. You know, travel and, and, and go head up against guys toe-to-toe. There's a reason why, you know, in sports they have the regular season and you can beat the defending Stanley Cup champions and then they have the playoffs and that's when titles are won, right? So he's got the strongest, the heaviest total, but not when it counted. And that's tough. And then you have yourself head-to-head beat both those guys. And then just the murky, which is, and won the and not on a local meet, but at the fucking U.S. Raw Nationals, which arguably is the second biggest competition in the IPF. There's the world's probably U.S. Nationals the second after that. So a massive meet, and you head-to-head defeat the world champion and unofficial world record holder. Now let's murky the waters even one more. We got Anatoly from the Ukraine, just won the European Championships, and he hit the, he hit the 850 you were talking about and yeah. broke the world record. Officially, world record out of international meet. Not a local meet. He had to travel. He had to uh, international judging, and you know, like what what that's all like. So we have like it's just like us. You guys are stacked. This is this is good for you guys sports because people, people yeah. give a shit. People care, and it makes debates. And to be involved in sports debates where people are actually debating you, it's pretty cool because there's some, some weight classes no one gives a fuck, and no one knows right. like yeah yeah whatever. So looking at the 2018 accomplishments, not just who's strongest, but accomplishments. Who would you think is the 2018 93-kilo lifter of the year? Well, i got to give it to myself, obviously. <laughs> uh, no, so it's, it's like you said. I, I, I definitely think so. Ashton Ashton is incredibly strong and legitimately uh, the, the numbers that he's put up. I think if you just if it was totally just off of, off of strongest lifter, I think he's proven that he can be that guy. Um, yeah. and, and I don't know that it's very, very close. Um, but then, like you said, you know, the, the, the resume for me would be that I – I beat Action and LS after coming back from some stuff that was that me doing really, really poorly coming back doing my first nine for nine meet and beating on the head to head. So I think it's hard to it's hard to say that I didn't have 
you know, because I, I mean, Ashton's 862, that was 1901, um, that, that in pounds, that was something that I think I already had in my head for worlds is something that I thought I had to get past. So none of the numbers that those guys, you know, the 850, um, from the Ukrainian guy, you know, that was something that, again, I thought that I needed that at all national. I thought for sure I needed to go over that world. So when I saw Ashton's number and then the Ukrainian number, it wasn't something like, oh man, I need to get better. I just thought that was kind of the standard anyway. I thought that was the standard at Raw Nationals this last year. So, um, so no, those neither one of those is really surprising. So it's it has to be myself this year, but I I want to also be in the in the conversation for next year too. Yeah, see, it's it, it, and it's true because um, especially in the competition, you're going head to head. You do what you got to to win. So it's not right. necessarily fair. Some guy can go to a local meet. He doesn't give a shit. Like, there's no one pushing him. You're not doing only what you need to to win. You would never, you would never go for 850 purely to hit that number to have the biggest total of the year. You're going to solidify the win. So it's not fair for you to be like, well, he won and beat those guys head to head. His total wasn't as high. Yeah, but he's only going to do what he needs to to win. He would be a fool to be like, load up the bar. We're going to win and then then some just to cap off the totals heavy. You know, that's not how sports go. No, yeah, if it was if, if having the same meet that I would have been having, I would have called a uh, for sure. I would have called the heavier bench press on my third, um, and I I would have pulled probably the three fifty five. I pulled on my third. I would have pulled that on my second, and then gone for something bigger. So uh, the the eight thirty three could have very easily been in the eight forties, mm-hmm. and and then you know it's I mean maybe just second right behind the eight fifty Ukrainian. But yeah, I mean Ashton's Ashton's eight sixty seven or whatever it was is is huge and tremendous. But yeah, that's I'm. Planning on getting there at least anyway. Yeah, it it comes down to consistency. You know, some guys are like it's like a gunslinger. Um, Ashton's well, even yourself, you've experienced as well. Where I was explaining this to some other like friends who don't necessarily know powerlifting, and they don't realize like you don't just walk in the gym and you're always the same strength all the time. That's Ooh. not the way it works. And when you walk onto the platform, you don't know until you hit the platform: is it there today or is it not? You're about to draw. You're about to pull that gun and fire, and you don't know, do I have my max output, or am I operating at 95%? And you won't know until that day. And some guys are more consistent than others, and some guys, when the pressure's on and they need it, they, they get the draw. And that's yeah, what makes it so fun. I do feel that about myself, that I mean, even even as far as the, the misses that I've had, I've, I've been, probably within the last two years, I've been pretty predictable and pretty... Uh, my, my peaking going into meets has been really good where I, I don't think that I've, I've, I've always at least matched my best lifts in the gym on the platform. Uh, so, so if I, I squatted 290 in the gym was the best squat I got up to, uh, going into all nationals, I squatted 292 and I really thought it was going to be more, but it was still at least why I squatted in the gym going in. So that's something that, that I, I feel like I have to give myself credit for that I, I have been running some good comments or good cycles going in so then I, I do feel very prepared even if stuff it feels really heavy and it was I, I couldn't explain why it didn't feel better than what it did uh, but it, it's still been at least the same as what I felt like in the gym and do you normally um hit like just like around that close numbers in the gym as you do on the platform uh it depends I I think it you know the We'll say the, the meat that I did that big cut, I, I actually squatted 300 kilos going into that meat, and I only squatted 290 on the platform, but I, I knew I was going to be cutting the 12, 13 pounds that I had to. So me squatting 300 kilos, I kind of assumed the best that I, the, the best case scenario was going to be me getting up to 300 kilos. Yeah. Um, so 
that was, I, I would still consider that, you know, about the same. Um, I, so, but I mean, when my, when my body weight is on, yeah, I'm, I'm hitting stuff pretty close and I, I'm calling numbers on my attempts that I feel comfortable with. And so even if I'm going for something on the platform, that's a PR, it's still something that's definitely within my wheel. It's never like a 10 kilo PR or something like that. Is there one lift though? that um, you feel like you're stretching yourself further in comp than you do in the gym? My bench press always shows up much better. Like it, I, I, I usually get about five-ish kilos on my bench press above anything I've ever done in the gym. So um, off of, off of my actually open, I, I get scared on that one going in a lot of times is that I'm, I'm usually opening, I'm planning sims that are heavier than what my gym training has been. And then in the last two years, it's always been totally fine. So that one just on paper, and if I was if I was coaching myself, I would I would say, hey dude, I mean you just you're opening with 175, and you hit that double yesterday that looked like I, it was the, the shittiest thing I've ever seen in my life. I don't, I don't think that you should open with that. And then I go and I smoke it at the meet. So yeah. that's just you know practice and knowing myself there. That's the thing with um, I think bench it's it's probably the one that I'm most nervous about, even when watching other people. Because it's the one with like the most calls. It's the one that things can mess up. And if they do, it's hard to grind out a bench. Like you see people, yeah. you could scrap with a lot of lifts. That bench, man, it's tough. To, if you see someone grinding and miss, very hard to picture them coming back and hitting it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. But it's, it's also, I'm, I, like I'm confident I can get, let's say 175, I hit a shitty double with it. Even if I don't go heavier than that, then... You know, so be it. I, yeah, I don't yeah. run for three on bench, and my total is only you know ten kilos less than what it should have been. Yeah, and the one thing when you're a sumo puller and you got a wide stance at the top, the uh, the the balance, which makes it always entertaining when you're a fan. Probably a little more nerve wracking when you're the lifter. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that, that, <laughs> one, I, that was a. Uh, that was probably the only thing that I was getting in my in my head about going into this last one was that I'd had those issues before, but then in training probably the last three months, I don't know that I had a bad rep at, at the top, but it was it was just the anxiety that I had bombed out of two meets in a row going in, and uh, and the the only meet that I'd done before that was this local meet. And I, you know, like you said, it's hard for me to really count back. The pressure is a whole lot different. So regardless of what my training had been like, there's still that little voice coming in saying, yeah, you know, you you, you missed a whole lot before. Actually, people. <laughs> I, I I had missed eight deadlifts in a row actually going into that point. Holy so, uh, shit! Yeah, so the week before I, I had missed two of them. That I lost. I lost that makes one the story better. Grip actually. So but yeah. it was I was getting to the point where I thought maybe I was never going to make another one. So uh, <laughs> going, going into the meet, I was I was thinking, I dude, you're the strongest you've ever been, but it's kind of been bad before. So yeah, getting locking out my first one felt pretty good. It's dude, that makes the story so much better. That's like the um. Like like a, a golfer who's on one of those bad runs where you're like, I can't fucking get this thing to go where I want it to. You missed yeah. eight in a row and the deadlift is your weapon. And then yeah, here it right, comes yeah. it comes down, you need the final deadlift, and you're like, Man, I, this has not been good for me lately. And people don't understand. So when it is that wide stand sumo, I remember Sean Noriega saying, because he's he's fairly wide stand sumo as well, and he's like, Man, it's it can be 50-50 at the top. When you're at the very max end. You know the last few percentile of what you got in you. It could be a 50-50 proposition. It, even the lifters like, well, it could fly up and then right. on the top. Yeah, that's how I missed all my openers. Actually, the last couple was I, I would just pull them really fast and go flying over backwards, and then and then I would try to correct things, and then it would just get worse. Yeah. So so yeah, that it is it. But my, it really was an easy fix for me. It just came down to me 
holding all my warm-ups and training and holding even even if I was pulling in straps I think that was something that because it was just a balance issue so um, I would I would go up to the top and actually hold it even when I was just holding straps so I got a little bit more comfortable just standing there with the weight yeah it's um it's funny we said like if you overthink it too much and try to adjust things, it makes it worse because it's true. Like you, you can't go onto the platform and be like, all right, so like, no, you got to do what you got to do. You can't, right. that's not the time, right? It's a little late right. in the game for these kind of things. And your deadlift has never been really a problem. Have you done any uh, adjustments on your lifts in terms uh, of? No. So every time that I really try to do a whole lot of stuff, it tends to create more issues. You know, I'm not as confident. So actually the, I think the biggest thing that I did in the time between, you know, transitioning between when they were going poorly and going well, I just started not thinking at all. I just went up there and I would, I would tell my, I tried to, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a pretty big believer in uh, positive thinking and like, you know, mental imagery and those kind of things. And so I would go to every deadlift and every session I would visualize myself locking them out and doing all that kind of thing and telling myself, you know, you're the best in the world. They're, you know, nobody can do this better than you. And so I would just imagine myself being the best. And then over time, it just, came true yeah well i mean it's it's interesting so they say this in other sports to try to alleviate stress and anxiety and performance um you know actually delivering on the day handling the pressure is um you only have control over your own effort you have no control over anybody around you if they have an amazing day or a shitty day it's not up to you but they also have no control over you they can't make you perform shittier only you can so if you just focus on yourself and for a guy like you who's going against who you were going against on the day of when ev- like everybody's watching, look at me, I'm not from the U.S., I'm watching U.S. Raw Nationals. You got people in Europe, they're not from the U.S. and they're watching U.S. Raw Nationals. Everyone who's watching powerlifting is watching this, right? So you just focus on, I'm going to put forth the best possible performance I can. Chips are going to be where they are. And then right. you end up in that situation where, hey, did you, did you know before the deadlifts that you're about to pull for the win or were you like, let me know when deadlifts comes? No. Yeah. So I, I tried, I, I, uh, I hired Haney Jezzarelli from the strength athlete to, yeah. to handle me for that meet. We have a, we have a pretty good relationship. So I, I coached myself, but you know, I, I think I've, I wanted somebody at that point to handle those kind of things and not, you know, me be watching the numbers the whole time and everything, but it's hard not to, to look and have a pretty good idea. So uh, I knew I knew going into deadlifts uh, that, that I was going to be originally I was going to be opening with a tie with Ashton, so uh, my opener was seven and a half kilos, so I knew that. Uh, and then Haney came up to me with my opener deadlift, and he, and he asked me how comfortable. I think I opened with I opened with three thirty seven and a half, uh, so like seven forty or something. So he he came up and he said, "How comfortable are you with two and a half more?" And so I knew that my original opener was to tie Ashton. And so I said, absolutely, put it on the bar, right? So that would have put me in first place. But hindsight, we did that too soon. So uh, so then Ashton changed his up two and a half kilos. And so then we're like, okay, well, we're not going to keep playing that, you know. Yeah. Keep up openers. You guys uh, are going all in on your openers. <laughs> yeah, so we, but, but that would have put me in first place. So I, I, had a, I had a pretty good idea of where I was. But then during deadlifts, I, you know, I trusted Hanny and Eric Bodhorn was helping out as well. So um, I knew those guys were going to be keeping an eye on everything for me. So I just... I just let them call the numbers, and I knew that it, it was going to come down to me. Just regardless of whether I opened in uh, first place or not, it was still going to come down to me making my last one. So I just pulled what they had on the bar for me. It is. Um, it is totally. Some people get too caught up in openers in terms of um, I'm opening with this. I'm opening with like this close to PR. It's like 
No one gives a shit where you're opening, though. It matters right. where, you, where you end off. Just like you said, like, opener's great. But where are you going to end off with your third? Some guys open way too close to the third. And lifting super, like we kind of talked about this earlier in the conversation, but you only have so much gas in the tank. If you are lifting super heavy close to your max for nine lifts, you're going to be super tired. Do you pace yourself in terms of your attempts where, all right, my opener's going to tax me a little. But by the time I get to my third, I got enough in me. Or do you like uh, like a bigger jump between your second and third? Or how do you like it? So I've started, actually, and I think this meet was kind of, this will probably be the turning point for me when I actually change a little bit of how I do my attempt selection. So and I'd say both on squatting and deadlift. So the in the past, I've done, I, I, I generally would do, 15-ish kilo jumps on all of my deadlift attempts and sometimes even more. I've done, I've done 17. I think I've done 20 before. Um, and then squatting, it's generally about a 15 in between my first and second. Um, I've, I, I think with both of them, I'm a pretty grindy squatter. I'm sure people who have watched any of my videos are familiar with that. Um, and, then, and then my deadlifts can go, like you said, I mean, it can be 50-50 when I get above 90% or 95%. So and just from experience in the gym, I can hit stuff. And then uh, this last meet, I hit 275 from opener squat, and it flew. Like, I, I remember thinking it had never been easier in my life. And then I went up 15 kilos, which was the planned attempt, and all of a sudden it was super hard. And and I've had that experience before with, if I just take a slightly heavier warm-up than what I planned, and then the next one feels about the same. And so then with deadlifts, one of the things I was doing in the gym was I was, um, instead of working up and hitting just a top single and doing back-down sets, I would just program something like six singles and I would start off with what felt like a seven and then I would keep doing them. And a lot of times I found myself being able to load weight on the bar and actually get heavier, you know, in the middle of those, my fourth, fifth rep was probably my best one, even with oh. rep. Yeah. Even with stuff that was in like the mid seven hundreds, I kind of got better as I went. And I think the biggest thing for me is that my, my lockouts are dependent on what I do off the floor. And so sometimes it's the, it's the big jumps that surprise me. So that I can make something like right around 700 just fly off the floor and I don't really have to put any effort into it. And then it becomes 750 and then it's, you know, much more effort and then it ends up messing with my lockout. And so mm. I found that me taking smaller jumps, even though it may be fatiguing a little bit, it just better prepares me for the effort that I'm going to have to put in on the next one. And so I, I think I'm probably going to get away from the, you know, the 15, 20 kilo jumps on deadlifts. And I think even if it means opening fairly heavy, I think it'll make me actually have a higher top end because I'll be, I'll be better. Like, I think I basically got that the last time because it was only a five kilo jump. Even though I, I think I had more in the tank, it was still just something I was very much prepared for. Um, so I, I, I think this meet was one that because it went so well and me looking back on other meets, I think I actually need smaller jumps. But mm -hmm. that's not something that I recommend for most people. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So I like that because it's not always the same. Some people on the surface would watch someone like yourself and think, well, this is the jumps he made. They apply it to themselves. He's conventional. He's like, everything, everything's different. Everybody's right. There's a reason why David Wilson I, like, is doing what he's doing. You know, there's a reason why he's experienced this with his deadlifts. And he's got to keep it tight. And also, um, what you had mentioned, I mean, some people, if, if oh, at the top end I get a little unbalanced, they're like, well, are you going to work on your top end stuff doing like rack pulls and shit like that? Would you be like, no, my friend, it, what happens on the floor is what dictates right. what happened to me. So it, it just goes to show that on in our sport, it's not just on the surface, right? Like whether or not where, where you have faulties in certain lifts could happen because of other things. And not everyone's going to be, the att attempt selection isn't just a conversation of, 
yeah, just on the surface as well, it's literally yeah. specific to the lifter. Right, yeah, percentages and all that kind of thing. I think I think definitely those those give you a, you know, if you say like, you know, hit something you can triple. Uh, I, I had done a set of five, I think, with, with 617 going into nationals on squat and I still open with 606. So I, yeah, it has to be something that you have to go off the plan of what you've got in the gym and not just percentages or, you know, your best triple or those kind of things. It, it really does take a little bit more thoughtfulness than that. Yeah, especially it, like when you're a rookie lifter, uh, you don't really know. Your coach doesn't really know because he doesn't have the data on you. But the more right. you, you're in the game and, again, going back to the experience factor, you start kind of maturing as a lifter and you start realizing. Um, and, and also whether or not you should be chasing guys or whether or not they're baiting you to chase them and you just got to stick to your own game plan. Like you said with Ashton, you're like, I'm not playing that game. That, that two and yeah. a half jump was all the jump we're going to make. Thank you very much. Right, yeah, it was, it was worth it when, when we thought that it was going to make me in first place, but then after that, it's like, okay, well, yeah. it, was, it was worth the try, but we kind of messed it up. So yeah. let's just go back to actually making lifts. Yeah, yeah, all's well and ends well. Looking right. ahead, so are you going to be doing the Arnold Classic, or are you just going to wait for no, the results? No, nah, yeah, so I, 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 for the most part, I've only done two meets a year, like forever. Um, last year, I did three, and I, I, I don't really like having that quick turnaround, but it's kind of ironic, like, you know, you, you don't sign up for a meet, and then that's when you start feeling your best, and then you sign up for the meet, and then, you, you know, you train too hard, and then you know, <laughs> things are, like, not going well. So, so yeah, at this point, I, I feel like I'm absolutely my strongest I've ever been. Uh, not my, I've been really pushing it on my squats and my squat feels, it couldn't feel stronger. So it's, it's now I'm kind of thinking, man, it would have been fun to do the Arnold, but I'm, I'm really glad I'm not doing it. I'm going to put a whole lot into worlds. And really my, my main focus is actually ball nationals next year, even more so than worlds is. How is that? That's shocking to hear the the world. Yeah. You know, so it's, uh, I think worlds for me in this case, it's like I said, like I, I really feel like me going and winning worlds and, that that'll be a huge accomplishment for me, but but I care a whole lot about the whole title defense thing on at, at nationals and keep going. So it, it's it's just crazy looking at the the competition that I have here locally, and absolutely the guys that that are you know overseas, you know Gustav and the Ukrainian. That it's it's incredible that they that it's going to be a big fight over there too. But but I think just on a from the people that that are following myself, you know. Most of the recognition is coming from the USA, so I think that's kind of where my where my main focus is. It's just with the familiarity that the just the people that I know who are following me. So yeah. maybe I should be putting more more thought into the world thing. But honestly, I'm I'm mostly excited about 2019 and all nationals. Well, so here's one thing, because me and Paul were on one of our episodes um, saying who's 2018 lifter of the year. And here's the one thing I'll say though: if someone stops you in the street and they're like, "You're a powerlifter," yeah. How good are you? I'm 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 national champion. That's good. Um, you're a powerlifter, yeah. How good are you? I'm the world champion. See, I I think probably the my counter to that is that there are so many federations, so many you know, you know the champion, but and, they then, and so even though you know I legitimately think the IPF is the the biggest, best, all that kind of stuff, the most legitimate as far as world championships go. One of the things I I think that's good for me about having somebody like Ashton around. Is Ashton is is even you know super well recognized in the USPA? Is that I I was watching one of their one of their streams and there were Ashton went out to lift and like all these comments were like oh shit Ashton's here better just pack it up right and so he's he's well known you know across all these federations and he's done a lot of different stuff and so when we when we start having guys even within the US that 
to start to cross those barriers and it makes it to where USAPL Raw Nationals becomes an event that you have guys that are recognized from all these other federations, I think it really adds to that. Uh, whereas if you, you know, you go, you, you just say IPF Worlds, there's so many restrictions on who can go and, and that kind of thing. I think it can take away, you know, I say I'm a world champion. It's, it's better for me to say, well, yeah, I beat Ashton, I beat LS, I beat all these other guys that you're really familiar with rather than me just saying I'm the IPF world champion. I think it's coming down to personalities more so than it is just the federations. It is. Yeah. And that's might be 93 kilo classes like that, which is weird. Um, so there's a couple things actually I want to ask your opinion about because 93 kilo you have, yeah, you have guys like Ashton who haven't been the IPF worlds, 83 kilo, you got to go to the worlds to face Brett Gibbs, you know? So it's different per weight class, but your weight class is unique in that, um, yeah, maybe the USA raw nationals, the competition's thicker than the IPF world championships. LS one competition wasn't as thick. That's probably fair to say. Not even Anatoly, the Ukrainian was there. Gustav was a junior. So, and none of you other boys from the U S were there. So there, that's, that's there as well as, um, and this is even blowing this up for all time perspective. Who is the 93 kilo goat even? Cause you can, you can argue Jesse Norris never won the IPF worlds for open classic 93, but he might be the goat. Yeah. No, the, the stuff that Jesse has done, you know, I remember watching him, uh, my first all nationals was maybe his first all nationals, uh, in Scranton. So, so watching him lift there was, was absolutely incredible. So, you know, seeing, because I, I think he was, he was young, I mean, 23 or something when he no, was no. Uh, doing that first Raw Nationals and squatting over 700. I mean, regardless of what actually got called, because I think he pulled, he tried to pull over 800. I think he tried to pull 815 and didn't get it. So I remember watching him do all that and, and just, yeah, I mean, it was, it was incredible. But I, I think with power, and he still has, I mean, the totals are still up there. I'm, I'm, actually, I'm unsure why they aren't, you know, records, right? I don't, I don't know. But anyway... I think one of the biggest things basically comes down to, to longevity. So he, you know, he, he put up those huge, tremendous totals. And so then, you know, eventually I'd say, you know, over the next couple of years or, cause I think he has a 2000 pound total in the yeah. USAPL or something. I, I don't know exactly. Uh, but you know, those totals, I feel like I'm capable of surpassing those. I think Ashton can get there. I think there's a lot of guys that will go past that. And so then it's, I think it's too early to say that, He's the guy. I think he's absolutely one of the best lifters that has ever existed right now. But we'll see, you know, if that's two or three years from now, what the what the case is. I think that conversation could change. So if you if you're saying that he's the goat for now, I don't I don't know if you can call him that. Well, what would you? So I wouldn't say he's the goat for now, but I think he's in the debate. Um, sure, no, I agree. What I think is, I think the 93 kilo goat is still the Polish Verzbecki. I think his run. At 93 kilo, what like in terms of dominance, it was he was crazy dominant right up until yeah. he left and went up to 105 and then won the 105 title. And God knows he's still in the mix there. Um, yeah, it seems like he could come back down to 93 any day by his body weight. It doesn't seem very heavy. And that would be flipping crazy. And let me tell yeah. you, if he comes back down, beating him would be like as many world championships as he's won. And he's a guy who could perform on game day. He's a guy who yeah. will step up. Everyone's watching, the whole world's watching, and he'll step up his game. Um, so, anyways, for myself, 93 kilo goat, I lean towards Verzbecki, but it's just unique because um, Jesse Norris put together a total that nobody's been able to hit. And right. um, 
it was, but it's a one-off, to, so to speak, because it's so short, like you had mentioned. Right. So his body of work isn't there, and then you got David Ricks, who's hitting world yeah. records at like 175 years old, and like it's just you want it. To, he's like the opposite of Jesse, where talking longevity, he's Mister Longevity. Um, right. So fuck, man, it's a that's one of the. I, know, I, I agree with you about Kristoff. Is is it's that he's he's put up those those numbers and he's done it consistently and he's done it for a while. And I think his, his world record total at 93 stood for something like three or four years uh, before it got broken. And so now, you know, we're just now getting up to where we could beat those things. So a total that from three years ago stood that he did at a world championship. So that's that's something that I, I think is he he has to have my vote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would agree, too. So do you think, because this is kind of interesting, do you think someone like Ashton could move into a slot where – he's lifter of the year or goat or any kind of territory. If he never goes to worlds, never wins a world title and never makes it to that big show. Uh, I think it has to be factored in. I think there's a, a big, let's say, let's say whoever it is won the next five raw nationals or something like that. You know, it started, it started to just be a dominant thing. Um, whether they, whether they went to worlds or not. Uh, I, I don't know. My, it depends on what the world stage looks like. I mean, yeah. starting this, this coming year we're, we're seeing that there's, uh, myself and then uh, two other guys that I know of. I don't, there could be other people, but two other guys that I know of that are going to be in the conversation for winning. Uh, but if it starts being, you know, that there's three, four, five guys every year that could actually be winning the thing and hitting the same totals as Raw Nationals. Because, uh, you know, LS won Worlds with 820, um, and I think um, him and LS, or him and Ashton, uh, both did 842 or 847 or something like that to get there. So, uh, no, if you're... If you're going to Worlds and you're winning with a, a lower total than what it takes to win Raw Nationals, yeah, you know, I, I think the Raw Nationals thing is the yeah. kind of it's, where... It's just the competition, like you said. It's that yeah. wherever, wherever going and winning the highest head-to-head competition and doing that on a consistent basis, I think that's kind of where, where my vote would lie. It's probably... You're probably right. Because there are times at the Worlds when... Um, I mean, when Rebecca was in there, you he was hitting 840. He, like, I mean, we're talking years ago when 840 was... Holy shit! Moments like, yeah, untouchable. Like Lane was getting second with eight hundred kilos, and now yeah. there's nine guys in the ninety threes that did that at nationals. Yeah, like it depends on if there's at the world stage. And Anatoly from Ukraine hit eight fifty, and it's conceivable if he hit eight fifty at the European Championships a couple weeks ago. By next June, if he's hitting like if he goes up ten kilos, not a big jump. If he goes up twenty kilo, not a crazy jump. If he's hitting eight seventy at worlds. All right. Well, beating him at Worlds is going to be more than you know, Ron sure. So, so I, right. like, like you said, it depends. Does European champion Anatoly show up? Gustav, young guy from Sweden, if he jumps up, like it kind of depends on um, the international scene. I think I think you're one hundred percent right. Quality of opposition, but on the resume. Would you want to retire without winning at least one world title to be like I was world champ? It's still the world championship. It is, you know, and, and I, I, I don't know. I think the, I think some of it, the location matters. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about going to Sweden. Yeah. Um, and and hey, going to going to Canada would have been cool. Uh, going to, uh, I, I had a lifter lift three years ago or four years ago in Colleen, and that I don't think that she cared that much. Uh, it, you know, it just, it was. It was like three or four hours drive for us, and she drove over there, and she's. It just didn't feel like a world championship to her. Yeah. So then, you know, and then the following year we're going back to to Belarus. So I don't. Know, I think the I think the destination matters a whole lot, yeah. and maybe maybe the IPF will listen to this and 
and start trying to make it places that people actually want to go. But yeah, you know, if I if I went to Colleen and won the World Championships, for some reason I think that would feel different for me than if I go to you know me traveling over to Sweden and winning. I think that feels like a, a lot cooler thing. It is like whatever. It's crazy when you get to the hotel and um, you take that elevator and not a single other person in that elevator is talking English. You see here three different languages. You get goosebumps, man. You start realizing right. this ain't fucking New York. You know no, what I mean? It's it's a, a, <laughs> it wants to feel like a world champion. Yeah. You, you, be you, cool like that. When you walk into that the arena and you see the banners with all the different countries' flags, you know this is this is the real deal. And they have like interpreters and you'll get like when you feel that raw national, it's how you that, that first year, like holy shit. When you fly into a country like Belarus and it's an entire different world, my friend. They are, not to get into Belarus, but they had fucking tanks coming down the middle of the road. And they had like, um, you know, English lines in grocery stores, but all the labels and everything are in Russian or Belarusian. And like, you're like, it's, it's, you feel like, holy shit. And you know, there's a live stream, a million different time zones are being posted because people all over the world are watching. It's you. You'll get tingles. You'll you'll that's, be like, holy shit. Sure. I'm probably not giving you enough credit. You know, I'm I'm talking as a guy who's never been there before. So um, I know what Raw Nationals feel like. So I'm putting a whole lot of emphasis on that. But yeah, oh, maybe maybe yeah. we do this next year, and I'll I'll say absolutely it's world champion. Yeah, yeah. You'd be like, whoa, damn. Especially if it's a battle, you need Ukrainian yeah. Anatoly push this into like 870 territory, and it's right. more national never did. And you're like, holy smokes, okay, that was that. Speaking of, okay, so we had you over an hour here, but um, and thank you very much for your time. But right, before, exactly. before, before we ever let every every single person we have on, I like to ask them um, when all is said and done. And you're a young guy, and it looks like your reign is just started. But when it's all said and done, and you look back, how would you like to be remembered? Uh, you know, so I guess there's a couple of different things that I'm really putting a whole lot of emphasis into. I, I think what what people are starting to know me for. Um, I, I'm getting a whole lot better quickly, but I, I feel like a big part of that is that, that I, I take a lot of pride in the, in the coaching that I do. And, and so just that side of things, and I think the representation of me as an athlete is probably a representation of me as a coach. And so I take a lot of pride in me coaching myself and really trying to use myself as an experimentation there and then applying that and hopefully having some lifters that can follow my footprints. So I, I'm starting to get some people, some up-and-comers that are starting to do all that kind of thing. But if it, if it just turns out that I'm the only lifter I ever have to win Raw Nationals, I don't think I'll be, I don't think I'll be satisfied with that. So I'm looking to, to do a whole lot more than that. But I, I, I don't want to be the guy that people look at and say, man, you know, David Wilson, the, the physical specimen. I, I'd actually rather people be talking about like David trained really well and he, he did a, he had a lot of good stuff with coaching and, and that kind of thing. So I think I look more on that side of it than really just the, the pure physicality of it. Like you're thinking more, um, basically paying it forward, taking your knowledge that you're gaining and then putting it, instilling it into other people and just spreading that. Right. Yeah. And I mean, my, myself is, a, should be a representation of that. I, I take a whole lot of pride in, in my, my own athletic performance, but I, any, any success that I have most of the time, I don't, I don't walk away from it feeling like, man, David, you're such an athlete. I feel like that was a, you know, you put together some really good training. That, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was good, good job. You, you wrote that really well. Is it, do you get as nervous when you're watching someone you're coaching at nationals and um, cause, cause you're, you don't have the control and you're just handling and you're like, holy shit, please. I'm way more nervous Yeah, uh, because I, I know that it, 
you know, even even when I had the four meets, I knew that I was going to be okay with the result. Even after I bombed out, I walked away and I was like, ah, I mean, I, I blew it. I need to do better. And I, but I didn't feel crushed or anything. Whenever I, if I'm watching good or the lifters that I have, I had a girl that got uh, third place right behind uh, Amanda and Daniela Mello. She got third in the 84s. And, and so watching her, she's going to be an up-and-comer really starting to challenge as much as she can in that class. Um, that was a, a really nervous one for me because it's somebody who has a ton of potential and it's, there's a lot writing on me saying like, okay, you need two good attempts. Hopefully the training was good coming in and there, you know, any sort of representation that she has out there, it's, it's a lot having to do with the stuff that I did and yeah. having her well prepared. But then at the same time, I don't have any control over how she handles the stuff inside of her head in the yeah. moment. So, um, so I'm nervous because it's, it matters for her. I want her to do really well. I know she's really excited about it, but then it's like, please don't fuck it up. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I know you can do this, but just don't mess it up. It's tough because 100%, it's a, number one, it's a reflection of yourself and everything you put forth. And you throw it out there for everybody to judge. If they have a good day or bad day, regard, they don't know, was it a crazy weight cut? What the fuck it was? Right. It's a reflection of you and your capabilities as a coach. That's nervous as shit. And, oh, yeah. And, I mean, if I walk away from a competition, I hear everybody saying like, oh, man, all David's lifters, they, they did really, really bad. Yeah. Like, that, that hurts way more than, like, did you see David bomb out? Like, yeah, I mean, I messed it up. But yeah. it's way it's way worse if it's something that I'm having people pay me for. And yeah. if they do poorly, I, I don't want to have that, you know, represented that way. If you, because you can have a bad day, but you have eight wins. Not necessarily right. wins legitimately, gold medal wins, but wins as in all PRs, all whatever. Right. Everyone moved up. You're like, not a bad fucking weekend regardless. I had a right. shitty day, but that happens in sports. Sports. You win some, right. you lose some. Overall, you walk away with a W. And the other side is, too, when you're a coach, it's tough because um, if they do bad poorly, and it could be a million different variables with powerlifting, you know this, you still will blame yourself. Like, God damn it. Like, I feel, you feel terrible. You right. know, you're like, damn yeah, it. Yeah, and I know how I react when I, when I, see, when I see lifters uh, do poorly. I'm like, oh, lifters aren't mine, and I, I see them do poorly. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're coaches' shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Of course, it's right? It's not, it's not their fault. You know, look who's yeah. coaching them. Yeah. And you're exactly, man. You're like, oh, God. Um, in, in some of your experiences, do you find because you've done things like on a national stage, you bombed. On a national stage, you took out a world champion and an official world record holder. Because you've done these things, does it make it easier when you approach one of your lifters who had a bad day? Like if someone comes up to me and they don't know, they haven't been there, it's just a buddy who's not even powerlifting, he's like, don't worry, buddy. You'll go get him next time. Doesn't mean as much. I'm like, thanks, bro. But if you come up and you're like, my man, I've been there. You okay? I bombed when the fucking world watching. And I came back. Redemption was one meet away. Took out the reigning world champ. Took out, like, it's there. Relax. You'll be okay. It means a lot coming from you. As a yeah, coach. Yeah, actually, I, I did it on purpose. Is I bombed out so that my words would mean more. <laughs> That's than right. I, I'm not better than that. There's no reason I would have done that on accident. So, so yeah, yeah, I did it just so that when I'm talking to my athletes, it's That's like, right. it actually means something. That's right. You're penning your own story. This is right. a movie right now. You're wrong. Yeah, I, like, eh, I know you had a bad day. I had a bad day and I was a champ, right? So That's right. It's fine. You, and, and the movie script you're writing is better. The whole thing, man. It was. It's all right. better this way. Right. Yeah, wait I did till, it on purpose. Yeah, you're like, wait till you see Sweden. That's when I'm really going to cap it off for you. Right. Is right. there a, thank you for coming on, my man. Uh, is there anybody yeah. you want to thank before we let you go, A, and B, if someone wants to approach you for online coaching, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, so you can come to just my Instagram. You can see all the stuff there. I, I have a YouTube channel. It's actually just the name of 
my it's Brazos Valley Barbell is the gym that I own, so the YouTube channel is on there. I try to I try to put out a lot of really good coaching stuff. It's not so much just my lifting on there. So I, I try to come out with a, about a video every week, and then on the website I have it's it, you can find that on my Instagram. There's the coaching questionnaire and all those kind of things. So you can find all the information there. But yeah, thanks thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. No problem, man. Um, love to have you back. Maybe leading up to the World Championships. We'll sure. catch up. We'll see who's on the roster. We'll see, you know, do like a little bit of a preview. And then um, after the Worlds, I'll be, I'll be commentating the World Championships in Sweden. Great. I'll see you down there. We'll shoot the shit. Maybe have a beer. Um, regardless. Down for that. Hopefully it's a beer with your gold medal. That's right. <laughs> All right, my man. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks. See you, buddy. All right, bye. And there you have it. David Wilson. 93 kilo uh, national champ, um, and David literally powerless things. David versus Goliath figure walking into the Raw Nationals. Um, I mean, we had a two-time reigning IPF world champion walking in there. You had Ashton Ruska who breaks unofficial world records and on any given day could be the best 93 kilo lifter in the world. And David showed up, you know, and that's the beauty of sports. Any given day, I, uh, you know, I, I look forward to seeing Sweden because Anatoly from Ukraine hit 850 and he hit 850 now. Um, this is in November at the European Championships. By June, what's he going to be hitting? Is it 870? Is it more? Or is 850 an anomaly and he goes back down? I know he's hitting, he's hit very close to 850 previously. I got to think he's only going to go up, especially how he's a junior. But you could see how the battle can ensue. You got Gustav from Sweden. Gustav Hedlund, young guy. He will finally be moving in. I say finally moving into the open. I mean, he's just moving into the open, meaning he's a young guy who's only, his progress when you're that young is Gustav. And Anatoly, by the way, also super young guy. Their progress at that age is much greater. So if Gustav hits and has a big day, he's capable of pushing into the mid-800s as well. So we got to see, um, and, and Gustav, remember, as a junior, out-totaled everybody at the World Championships in the Open. That's how, that's how the, the kids got potential. You know, so um, the IPF World Championship showdown, I think David's going to find himself in another major battle, and it'll be another, you know, three-way, four-way battle between the tops, and I'm expecting it to be just as good as the Raw Nationals battle. Um, it, it does kind of suck. We don't have, we, maybe we will have LS. Sometimes they send two lifters from the, the U S in one weight class. It'd be beautiful if LS was given that opportunity. Seeing how LS is the reigning world champion. He's won it twice. And, um, I mean, he's let's let he loses the raw nationals comes back and wins the world. He pulls out the wins. He has had big totals. He hit 820 at the world championships. He's done more than 820. He's got more than 820 in the tank. You know, that's not his best. Um, not at the Worlds, not at, not at Nationals. He is the old gamer who will rise to the occasion. So I would love if he's there, afforded the opportunity to possibly defend. I would love to see Ashton in there. Um, I'm a big fan of Ashton. We had him on the show. Good kid, you know. and ex- like God, man, he could be the strongest 93 kilo in the world on any given day. The strongest 93 kilo in the world. It's just some days, you know, he could bomb at US Open or he could possibly lose at Nationals when you're thinking, shit, I thought he was a fairly solid favorite, but uh, 
not meant to be. He's also a super young. These guys are all young. I mean, that's the scary thing. These guys are young, man. Like these, Jesse Norris's total, which is a phenomenal total. I don't know, in a couple years, you know, one of these guys is going to take it, if not a couple. You know, we're getting close. We're pushing into the late 800s at this point. So you could see the, the lineage. I was going to keep the linear movement up towards 900 kilo total. But um, yeah, man, I, I, I'm kind of torn. I agree with David that I love seeing U.S. Raw Nationals because Ashton's there. And uh, Ashton's such a phenomenal talent. But the IPF Worlds, man, uh, I think when he gets there and he experiences it, he might have a different, different opinion. But we'll have to see. And if Rebecca comes back down to 93, oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. But anyways, um, I'm glad uh, David Wilson came on there. Um, Well-spoken. Hell of a lifter. Young as hell. He's got goals. And, um, and I think he's going to, he's in, a, his division is red hot right now. It is red. The competition's thick in the 93 kilo class. And he's found himself right in the middle of it. Already collected two scalps. Let's see what we could do at the world championship level and see if he could pull off that win. If he does, if he starts, you could start to see the beginning of a dynasty. But uh, domestically speaking, he's got a, quite the beast in action to deal with. Thanks for tuning in. As always, listen, guys, put it in your stories. We'll repost. If you're listening to us, take a screenshot, throw it in your stories, keep supporting. And spread the word. Give guys like David Wilson their due in terms of their exposure. Tell your friends. Give us high ratings for the podcast. These guys come on here and we're trying to push the sport forward. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, six-pack lap at Peace.